This podcast is brought to you by a 43-year-old virgin called Chris. Good to have you listening, mate. Hello there. Welcome to Not For Radio. My name is Duncan Hyde. This is Jay Reeve. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. An interesting day on our radio station today. Mm. The big dog for the breakfast show, the man with the laugh that lights up a nation, Roger Farrelly, celebrated 30 years broadcasting at The Rock. 28 of those, I think, on breakfast. He's the only constant and therefore makes it feel like you haven't been here long. Like, you've been here for you've been here for half that time. Yeah, 15 years this year. And I bet it doesn't seem like 15 years. No, nah, it doesn't. You just get caught in this weird industry. You get caught up in this just whirlwind of busyness and there's always something next coming at you and you don't really get the time to reflect. So it must have been amazing for Rogie. Um, and then go and listen to the Morning Rumble podcast because that'll all be up separately. And it is a great listen. Even if you've never listened to our breakfast show, just have a listen to the love he gets from uh, the nation, celebrities, uh, our current Prime Minister, previous Prime Ministers, the leader of the opposition party, <laughs> yeah, and, all and Prime Minister. <laughs> like, just outrageous love for the big man. And uh, three decades doing any job, I think you said it earlier, Jay, is uh, obviously a tremendous nudge. Mm. But three decades in an industry that is absolutely cutthroat. You don't rate well, you get cut straight away. And uh, we've unfortunately seen many um, workmates disappear like that. And it's just been epic to be able to um, celebrate Big Roger Farrelly. Yeah, it's an industry that is snakes and ladders. More snakes than ladders. Very hard to go up, uh, but very easy to slide down. Yeah. Shall we start the show with a little one of my favourite comedians, rest in peace, Bernie Mac from the Kings of Comedy Tour, talking about the word motherfucker. He absolutely nails it. Because the word motherfucker is a noun. It describes a person, place, or thing. You know, when you hear black, black folk, we loud. That's our defense magnetism. We, we loud, we talk aggressive, you know. But get a talk, you know, we ain't gonna do nothing to you. We ain't gonna do nothing to you. You know, we'll tell you in a minute, you know, I'll blow this motherfucker up, you know. You ain't never known a black terrorist in the day of your life. You ain't never known a black man to blow up a goddamn thing. First of all, where you gonna buy the dynamite from and from who? The first time he tried to buy some dynamite, he going to jail like a motherfucker. Just expression. I had a guy, man, when you, white people, when, when, you, when you see my people, when you see them in the social place, you see them in the mall, you see them in the bowling alley, and you might see three or four brothers together, you might hear the word motherfucker 32 times. And you might hear just two regular English words. But the conversation makes sense like a motherfucker. <laughs> Everybody can understand it. Don't be afraid of the word motherfucker. I'm gonna break it down to you. If you're out there this afternoon, you see about three or four brothers talking, you might hear a conversation and it go like this. <clears throat> you seen that motherfucking Bobby? That motherfucker owe me 35 motherfucking dollars. He told me he gonna pay my motherfucking money last motherfucking week. I ain't seen this motherfucker yet. <laughs> I'm not gonna chase this motherfucker for my 35 motherfucking dollars. I called the motherfucker four motherfucking time, but the motherfucker won't call me back. I called his mama the other motherfucking day. She gonna pay like the motherfucker went in. I started to cuss her motherfucking ass out. But I don't want no motherfucking trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great bit. Isn't he it? just goes on and on and on. But it does make sense. It's a person, a place, uh, or a, is it a person, place, it's, or a thing. It's a noun, naming word. 
Uh, what should we start with here? I think I want to do this. Not for radio. Jay. Yes. Message from Sam Bleakley on Facebook. Can mm. Jay spin a yarn about his mate that's a blind male model? Yeah, this uh, this is a friend of my wife's who she modelled with for a number of years, and he had uh, macular degeneration, basically. So now he can see it just a tiny, tiny bit. Handsome, handsome bloke. Um, but he spent basically from the age of 18 to late 20s modelling all around the world with like the who's who, who, who of modelling. Mm. Um, but there's there's he's had some... He's had some pretty impressive partners, uh, some pretty impressive girlfriends, and I don't know if I can talk about them. Um, is it, can, will he ever be able to see again, or is he one of these like Elon no. Musk, like need the uh, the microchip in your head to rewire it or get an eyeball replacement or just nah? Yeah, can't can't get surgery, so he walks around with a cane, often uh, chaperoned by gorgeous gorgeous models yeah. um, who love him, and he still does he still models, but just mainly photographic work because he used to walk quite a bit, so he'd do pa- Paris Fashion Week and London Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week. Um, and was a big and walking, but now he's just basically just a photographic model. How much wedge would you get if you're like not, a shit ton? Really, like half a mil plus. Like even if you're not top tier, Uh like like yeah, the top 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 tier get millions. Yeah, but he would have been in that. Like he would sit alongside. So basically, they'd structure a, they'd structure a shoot with. I guess the the halo person that you've got in there, which would be the the top model, mm. and they'd be paid like say for example a Kylie Jenner or Kendall Jenner, sorry, and she'll probably get a million bucks, and then it kind of trickles down. There'd be another tier which kind of fills up the space behind, and then they'll get a couple of people that get their first time at it for next to nothing. So it's like on that shoot in that photo will be a person getting paid a million dollars and someone getting ten grand. And is this for um, just like a photo shoot of a new season of clothes or yep. is this a... Um, Anything. Cars. A catwalk or... Uh, so walking's a little bit different. You get paid per show that you do. So you get... Um, they do... I only know this because my, that's what my wife used to do because she's got alopecia. She was... Oh, she's gorgeous also, but she, but she is very different mm. to most models. Um, and so you'd go to... Uh, castings and then they were the clothing places would pick you and then you'd string together a whole bunch of shows and it would normally be a mad dash it's where i first met her was at uh, new zealand fashion week and she was sprinting between shows because there's just no gap because you've got to go straight into makeup uh, and then straight into your clothes and they'd walk cool as shit down the catwalk turn around come back and as soon as they get behind the screen it's like fucking high knees usain bolt back into to get change and there's if you've ever been backstage at a at a fashion show like that just nude people everywhere. I, I like to imagine that um, Jay saw her in a high knees and it passed and all she heard, this is her very first interaction with Jay is, giggity, <laughs> as she's sprinting past, just like one off, giggity. Yeah, I was like, hey, how's it? And she was like, I'm in a hurry. And I peeled past. And I was like, what a rude bitch. And I had her up about it when we kind of caught up later on. She was like, you were there sitting front row soaking up free piss and goodie bags because you're at MTV and I was working four or five shows a night. So I don't have time to sit there and listen to your shit chat. Understandable. Uh, unlucky for her, she's decided to do that for the rest of her days. Yeah, now she's locked into the Jay Reeve handcuffs uh, <laughs> metaphorically and behind the bed for the rest of her life. <laughs> they're not handcuffs, they're just restraints. <laughs> uh, well, that's a nice wee insight. Hopefully that's uh, scratched your itch there, Sam Bleakley. Not for radio. With Jay and Dunk. Another message from Facebook here. A few messages coming through from Facebook for today's one. If £2,000, so what's that, 4,000 Kiwi, uh, mm. was sent to you on Google Pay or to your PayPal address now, how would 
you spend it? Be honest, what would you use it for? We're older now. This would be boring. Like if this was me when I was sitting. Oh, mate! If there was, if there was, if there's two options: yeah. get fired option or just fucking come up with some cool shit option. I can tell you, no, I can't tell you the get fired option because you know what? I'll get fired. If I was seventeen again, I would buy two thousand, four thousand dollars worth of Tasman bitter, which was eight dollars seventy a box here in New Zealand at the time. And I would go on a road trip with the boys and we would not return until they were drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I would put it towards um, some artificial grass that I'm about to put down in my backyard. <laughs> Fucking cool, eh? <laughs> it's like a, a competition to come up with the shittest answer on what you'd spend four grand on. I'm going to, I'm going to deer hunting Ooh, this I'm, weekend I'm, and I'm, I want to get it taxidermied. <laughs> Actually, I forgot. I'm not about, even kidding. I it, forgot about my cracked. Uh, I've got a piece of cracked gutterine that's uh, oh. really getting to me. Okay. Mate, it's that, or I've got a new exhaust going on my Harley because the other one's basically gone kaput and rusted off. So that would, that would come in handy. I'm still paying back a couple of people from a couple of big bins that I've been on. Um, but yeah, probably. I don't, I, pff, shit, no, I'd come. No, we can't go on holiday because we're never allowed to fucking leave this place. Yeah. This place is a prison and the galaxy of sucks camel dick. For those of you who like a bit of naughty in your life, not for radio. Hey, speaking of cash, though, mm. I saw this. Uh, you you brushed past it because you were like, what a pile of shit. Uh, Scotland, because we've got a large number of people that listen to this in the UK. <laughs> oh, yeah. A large number of people that listen to the U- this in the UK and... I I've never been I've never been to this place. I've never really spent a lot of time or anywhere near as much time as I'd love to spend in Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and and England to a certain extent as well. I mean, I'm this is a sweeping generalisation, but can I just go create a new tagline for the country of Scotland? Scotland, the wetter, colder New Zealand. <laughs> basically, people Scotland jump, more moist than New Zealand. My my ancestors, my great 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 grandparents hopped on a boat uh, from Everness and came out to New Zealand thinking, fuck, we're getting away from this cold and wet place. Mm. And they arrived here, which is literally geographically almost the opposite on the other side of the world. <laughs> it's quite the same, same, but different, right? Should have parked up in fucking Fiji because, man, be, we'll be inheriting some pretty cool shit. When they were colonising, though, they were serving up the biggest piles of shit for parcels of land that they had divvied up after they nicked them off the local people here in New Zealand, the Maldives, for a couple of blankets and some muskets. Um, that, some of the... The land that, that was given to the colonizers, oh, tough country. Mm. The land ballot after the war was like, I know a friend of mine's grandfather was given Cadrona Valley. What? Yeah, and then uh, they developed Cadrona Ski Field yeah. and sold it and bought the other side of the valley because there's nothing you can do on it. It's like cool big hills and it snows, but until you put the infrastructure in for it to go skiing on it, it's worth fuck all. Yeah. Um, but the Scottish government's handing out incentives of up to $97,000 for people to move to the Bacolic countryside. So if you know where this is, and it looks, it looks beautiful, the archipelago of Orkney or the Isle of Skye in Scotland. I don't think just because you give a place a cool name doesn't mean it's good. The Isle of Skye, it sounds cool as. Yeah, that's what I mean. Portree, the capital of the Island of Skye. Um, just like, have you ever noticed that lots of roads called Beach Road? Don't actually see the beach from it. <laughs> it's only, it's a tiny, uh, a tiny Scottish island, which is 2.4 kilometres wide, apparently. 
Anyway, well, oh, if, no, if you know, if, if like if you know the place and you're listening, because there's an enormous amount of people that listen to this podcast from the UK, Stromness, Stromness, which is the second highest population in Orkney, looks fucking cool. Would you take a hundred grand to move there? Um, even more so if you've got a young family or whatever. Or if you're currently listening to this and going, you know what? Jay doesn't often steer me wrong. Fucking count me in a hundred grand and pack our bags. Off we go. I reckon I get 20 messages a week from people in the UK wanting to move out here on Instagram. And they're like, how do I do it? How do I get it? I was like, I don't know, man. I already live here. I've never figured that part out, how mm. to move here when I already live here. It's not that hard, apparently. Not that tricky. <laughs> to get residency in New Zealand? Nah. Oh, man. I got a great story about that. It's um, a, f- a friend of a friend. Good start. So Jay's relative. <laughs> it's, it's actually Duncan. I tried to mask it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he, he parted with his, parted ways with his wife mm. and went to Thailand and met an incredible lady. Literally fell in love. Not like a setup. Was over there on holiday um, and fell in love with a local lady that wasn't, you know, paid to be hanging out with him. Not that that always happens. Not that that's always the way that people meet. But uh, fell in love, kept in correspondence. They kept in correspondence for a couple of years. He'd go back and forth over there, visit her, whatever. Um, and then he was like, I'd really like to bring you out to New Zealand. Would you like to move in with me? I'd like to make you my wife. And she's like, yeah, sweet. I'm in love with you. This, make, this completely makes sense. English, second language, not the greatest, but his tie was better than her English. Mm. They lived together for like maybe 18 months or something. Did everything, traveled around the country together, showed her the whole place. Lovely, lovely chick. But for whatever reason, the immigration people were like, mm, fucking something doesn't make sense here. You're not a great looking human, bit of a bikey, and this is a really gorgeous um, Thai woman who's, you know, probably 10 years younger than you. Mm. And so um, they get their friends together. So they've got a couple that's known them since they've been together, and they interview them in this immigration office. Yeah, so it's not that easy. And it's shit like they ask questions like, um, what color is this? Um, what colour is his toothbrush? And like all these weird questions that you have to get right to show that you spend so much time together. Um, and, sh- and the question got asked of her, um, what, is, um, what is he like? And she goes, Anno. And, he's, and they're like, what? <laughs> what is he like? Anno. And it's like, what are you, t- um, excuse me? When I ask you, what is he like? Um, and she goes, Anno. He, he liked to put it in my bum. <laughs> In front Up of the his, Anuk. yeah, in front of the friends who were just <laughs> absolutely mortified, and even that wasn't enough to get it across the line. They sent her back. Yeah, I told you it's tough. If you think that's easy, I hate to see what you get up to after hours. <laughs> they found out what I was doing. Kicked out of my own country. <laughs> that shit's easy. We're gonna move on. Shit, fuck, motherfucker, fuck, face, piss. Ayahuasca. Ah, oh, yes. A brain-enhancing drug. Unzips the world you know, opens up a new one, makes you rethink everything you thought you knew about life and can undo some pretty bad shit in your life, which is why people do it quite a few times, right? Yeah. Well, you were saying Will Smith did it somehow. 14 right. times in 18 months. That's pretty heavy. I've done DMT, which is very similar, but a shorter version, a five-minute version of basically the same sort of experience that you get. I'm not going to say that you get high. You definitely hallucinate, but it's an experience. You know, mm. like if you go to – it's like going to a Pink Floyd concert versus a fucking – 
Justin Bieber gig. Mm. Like, they are effectively the same thing, but they are completely different and you completely different connect on a different level. This is Jim Belushi. He's doing ayahuasca in Peru and how he got there. Hi, this is Jim Belushi, and this is the story of the first time I did ayahuasca in the jungles of Peru. I was at a point in my life where I needed something. I had seen my friend Steven and he was like kind of an anxious guy and a little crazy and, and I seen him again and he was different. And I said, hey man, what the hell happened to you? And he said, well, I went down to this place in Peru and I did this ayahuasca thing. And I said, how do I get in on that? So I went down there, did the whole ceremony and he did this whole ritual. And he explained the ayahuasca plant. You think about what you'd like to have healed and <sighs> you blow into it. Then you wait for about 45 minutes. Everything seemed cool. It's like, hey, man, I'm in a jungle. It's cool. Then it started. My eyes closed and saw geometric figures. And then all of a sudden, my mind started talking to me, my ego. My ego was starting not to like this. What are you doing down here? This guy's, this guy's not, not right. This is a cult. You're going to be stuck in, in the jungle. Get out. Just get out. Get out. Go to a plane. Get to a plane right now. You know how to do that. And the shaman said, what's going on? I said, well, I got all these chattering monkeys. And they're saying all kinds of nasty stuff. He was okay. And he had all these singing bowls. And he started singing... And Icaros, which is beautiful. He had a beautiful voice. Almost sounded like a cantor. I fell out of the chair. And I was like, wow, I had this peace. I said, what the hell did you do, man? He said, well, you said the monkeys were bothering you. So I shot him. I don't like the messages that the monkeys were giving me. They're getting a message from the gorilla. Let's go gorilla hunting. I wanted to go deep into what is the bed of my anger or doubt or fears, whatever it is that's getting in the way of my personal relationships, my love for myself and others, my acceptance of myself and others. He said, do you see the geometric shapes? I said, yes. He said, if you really focus in on the emptiness between the lines. I said, okay, and I looked at it in my mind's eye, and I went, Poof! I just like astral traveled into blackness, lost like the feeling you feel when you have trauma. And in that moment, I went, that's nothing to be afraid of. And my falling turned into flying. I was doing somersaults, I was flying. I mean, it was so joyous. But the one image that I still live with today was I was back sitting in a chair, my shoulders were humped, and I felt two hands lifting me, and they turned me. And in my mind's eye, I saw a long conference table, like in a business office, something you see on succession. And I'm at the head of the table, and there's these kind of spirits, and I was looking at them all, and some of them didn't look too good. Some looked a little angry. And the shaman said, what's going on, Jim? And I said, I'm in this place, this conference room, and there's all these things. And he goes, ah, oh, those are your spirits. He said, that's the jealousy spirit. That's the sad spirit. There's the kind spirit. There's the loving spirit. There's the generous spirit. 
There's an angry spirit. You see, Jim, you were sitting at the side of the table while one of your spirits was running your life. You're the head of the table. You're the president. You're the CEO of your life. They just moved you back into the chair that you were born in. I said, well, how did I get out of the chair? You know, spirits, they like to work. You know, one time you probably called the fear spirit up and say, hey, uh, I'm scared here. I'm lost. And then you get out and you go, wow, fear saved you. So now the fear is going, hey, man, remember I saved you when you got lost? Huh? I'm doing a good job, right? Well, let me stay up here. And you just forget. And then the fear spirit just takes over. And then he brings his buddy, the doubt spirit in. They co-run your company for a while. And these spirits just run. These were the guys who were yelling at you when you started the ayahuasca in the first place. I get it. I said, how do I get rid of them? He said, you don't get rid of them. You embrace them. They're you. But when you're done with them, you got to put them back and take control. It was beautiful. The next night, we were down there with the gorillas. I saw my mom. I saw my brother John. And those two figures were the gorillas that I was releasing. At that moment, I found beautiful joy, compassion, love, and forgiveness. Not only for, for them, but for myself. Yeah, man. I'd do that again. <laughs> it's, right. Yeah, crazy, eh? Yeah. Um, it's a friend of mine that has done it, said that he basically drank a bucket of lemongrass tea. Um, Don't you vomit like crazy yeah. for the first like two hours? It looks horrible. Yeah, so you're not allowed like um, sugar, sex, alcohol, basically any Chili Peppers title to their albums just gone <laughs> out the window <laughs> for about a month or two beforehand, and then you... Um, and then you drink this lemongrass tea to purge everything out of you. And, yeah, then you take the ayahuasca, and it ramps up. So he goes, day one's like level 100, and you're fucking, you're smoking these cigarettes because it connects you with the plant world and, and these big long huts in Peru. And then day two like is really ramped up to, like, f- level 400. And you're like, holy shit, I don't even think I've got this in me. Mm. And then day three is, like, level 1,200. And you're like, man, I'm really starting to get deep here, like, just proper melted reality, and then the fourth and final day is just swing for the fences, level 5,000. And it's just, that's where everything just basically comes apart. You rip it all apart, like you said. You figure out what it is that is there, and then you're like, I want to get rid of it. And it's like, well, you can't get rid of it because it's you. You just need to make sure that you're the one that is the uh, the person that's the conductor in front of this orchestra because you need it all in there to make this song. Uh, it's very cool. The, the DMT was times, very similar. How many times do you reckon uh, someone would do it if they, you know, like it was, say your next door neighbor did them, it was a shaman, and you could go over any times you want, uh, any um, any amount of time you would, you know. Uh, well, I'd, I did this, I did the DMT ages ago, and I'd love to go, uh, basically I wouldn't, it's not like where you go, you come out of it and you're like, oh, shit, let's climb back into that again. Like you just go, oh, okay, and you sit with it and it was about 12 months past and then I was like, yeah, I reckon I've learned what I need to learn from that. I want to go again and then see what that next level is that I want to get to. It's, yeah, it was good stuff, very good stuff. Worth pointing out, highly illegal in New Zealand. Yeah, definitely don't do it in New Zealand. Definitely don't order it uh, online. Um, so we're going to sign off with an acoustic session recorded by Warner's Music here in New Zealand. This is at Roundhead Studios. This is the one and only John Toogood.
of She Had doing an acoustic version of She Had's Run. As the trip descends, you chose not to ride again. So you run What you holding on Holding on to run Life is going on All around you run What you holding on Holding on to Thank you very much for listening for the Not For Radio podcast. If you don't know who John Toogood is, J-O-N, Toogood, T-O-O-G-O-O-D. So good. Give him a search, man. Climbing to some of his uh, acoustic stuff, he is really excellent. That's mainly for our um, expat listeners. I know you'll know them, uh, but mainly for our overseas listeners because Johnny Toogood is like rock royalty here in New Zealand. Uh, Thank you very much for downloading the podcast. We appreciate that. They're uh, having meetings at work about the podcast, whether or not it's working. I think it is. So make sure you share it around, share the love, and uh, we'll get plenty more people on this Not For Radio podcast. Yeah, we're looking, uh, we're still pushing hard. There's a very big event which happens here in Aotearoa uh, towards the end of the year, and we want to bring somebody over from uh, the Northern Hemisphere and somebody over from Australia. So uh, the more people that are in the mixer, the more we can justify spending that cash to bring somebody out to experience all the epicness that New Zealand has on offer. And can I just say, I've done it before, Christmas Day at Jay's house. It's great fun. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure if you win this prize, it'll be great fun for you. Have a good one. Catch you tomorrow. <laughs>